Welcome to PDPW's podcast. Here's Bill Baker. Where the word of the day is compassion. Servant leadership trainer Tom Thibodeau joins us to share how we can all be more compassionate in our daily lives. Always good to be with you. Let's talk about the power of compassion. The power of compassion. Compassion comes from two Latin words, cum patior, which means to suffer with. Patior, to suffer, cum is with. So that to be compassionate is to enter into the suffering of another person. Uh, Max Dupre, one of the real leaders in the servant leadership movement, says this, servant leadership is a privilege of being involved in the messiest parts of other people's lives. When are people's lives most messy? Well, oftentimes it's when they're suffering, when they're struggling. And at those moments, people do not need judgment. They do not need advice. What they need more than anyone, anything else is for compassion, somebody to stand with them, somebody to support them, somebody to help them recognize they are not alone. Empathy is an alert system. Empathy wakes us up to the pain in other people's lives. We can have empathy when we watch news every night and we watch how hundreds of people stranded in a snowstorm along an interstate. We have empathy for people who sit in their cars in long lines waiting for a box of food because their checks haven't come in. We have empathy for people who lose their jobs when a company moves overseas. Empathy when a child drowns unexpectedly and by somebody that we don't even know, we have a level of empathy. It wakes us up. Compassion, however, moves us to action. Compassion says, what is my response at this moment? What's extraordinary to me is in this country, when we see so many maladies, we still see people who are compassionate to their neighbors, to people that they do not even know. How about the compassion of people who donate an organ, people giving a kidney to a stranger because that stranger has a small child and needs to live? Compassion in terms of GoFundMe pages in Mayville, Kentucky, where people lost their homes. GoFundMe pages were set up and complete strangers from across the country donated thousands of dollars so people could rebuild their lives. In one small fire department in Kentucky, they lost their fire station and they lost their fire trucks. And what happened is that compassionate people from Oregon and Massachusetts make sure that their that their trucks were replaced and started a fund that could rebuild their firehouse. How important this is, it moves us to action. When we know other people suffer, what is it that we are willing to do? Do we really care? Care, one of my favorite four-letter words. Care is a kind of a, a, a tension with it, if you will. What would you like to do later today? Well, I don't care. Uh, do you want to have, go out for lunch? Well, I don't care. Do you want to have pizza for supper? Well, I don't care. Uh, will you watch a ball game tonight? I don't care. And so on one end, care, uh, on the other end, give it to me. I'll take care of it. I'll take care of her. So on one end, in terms of care, you got a sense of, of ap- uh, and the other sense, uh, and all of a sudden, right in the middle, however, is where it lies. Care comes from the Greek word kara, which means to cry out. Kara, cry out. When you care about people, you listen to the crowd. This isn't fair. I don't need this. It hurts too much. Someone dies in a tragic car accident, and you just go and you sit and you listen to them cry and cry out, why did that ever happen to my dad? Someone dies unexpectedly in terms of cancer that was discovered way too late, and you listen to them cry out, why? This isn't fair. We don't need this. 
care, listening to others cry out to stand in their pain, the messiest parts of their lives. But what's extraordinary, the great problem in America today is not divide and partisanship. The great problem is not in terms of our arguing with each other. The great problem in the country is indifference when people forget to care, forget to reach out, absent themselves from taking action on behalf of their neighbors. If there's one thing that we understand is that in rural America yet today, people deeply care about their neighbors because they understand the interdependence. They understand what each other is going through. They understand their daily struggles, whether it be in their crops with their machinery, making their bills and wondering what unknown prices are going to be able to produce for them. And you begin to recognize that that level of care is born out of struggle. Dorothy Dave, who's the founder of the Catholic Worker Movement, we started a house in La Crosse, a Catholic workhouse, 25 years ago, and so have always followed her model. And she writes this, One of the greatest evils of the day is the sense of futility. Young people say, what can one person do? What is the sense of our small effort? They cannot see. We can only lay one brick at a time, take one step at a time. We can be responsible only for the one action of the present moment. But we can beg for an increase of love in our hearts that will vitalize and transform these actions and know that God will take them and multiply them as Jesus multiplied the loaves and the fishes. I teach a class on homelessness here at Paterbo University. I've been teaching this class for 35 years. How is it that we have compassion for people who have no place to live, people who do not have a permanent address, people who don't know where their next meal is coming from? And I asked my students, what is it that you want to learn in this class? And they said, we want to do something. They're tired of statistics. They're tired of studies. They're tired of analysis. They want action. And I reminded them that each of them can respond in compassion to complete strangers each and every day. We are given that opportunity to care for others. And I looked into the young eyes of these young people, young people who have the dreams of becoming nurses, where each and every day they'll walk into the rooms of strangers, not being able to give them everything they need medically, but offering a compassionate presence young people who are going to become social workers, who will have young families coming for help with rent or groceries or health care concerns, young people who are going into the classrooms in terms of teaching children who oftentimes don't have enough to eat or a warm pair of mittens to wear at recess, young people who are very much concerned about working with their elders who live by themselves waiting for a meal to be brought by a stranger. And so I cannot teach them all the skills that they're going to need. They will develop those skills. But what we can do is awaken the gift of compassion. The nation stopped to remember the Honorable Dr. Martin Luther King. And in his speech that he gave on the mountaintop speech, he writes this, that he had been in New York signing books, and a woman came up who was demented and he looked up and she stabbed him he didn't even recognize what was happening until he could feel his pain in his chest and they had to restrain the woman and they took him to the hospital uh, they did the surgery they pulled the knife out of his chest and said dr king that knife rested on your aorta had you sneezed you would have died 
he got letters from the president and vice president. He got letters from the governor and the attorney general of the state of New York. He said, I've forgotten what was in those letters, but I've kept one that was sent to me by a ninth grade student. And the student wrote, Dear Dr. King, I am a ninth grade student at White Plains High School. And she said, while it should not matter, I would like to mention that I'm a white girl. I read in the paper of your misfortune and of your suffering. And I read that if you had sneezed, you would have died. I'm simply writing to say that I'm so happy you didn't sneeze. And Dr. King writes, and I want to say tonight, I want to say tonight that I'm too am happy I didn't sneeze. Because if I had sneezed, I would not have been around here in 1960 when students from all over the South started sitting at lunch counters. And I knew that as they were sitting in, they were really standing up for the best of the American dream and taking the whole nation back to those great wells of democracy, which were dug deep by the founding fathers in the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. If I had sneezed, I wouldn't have been around in 1961 when we decided to take a freedom ride and end the segregation in interstate travel. If I had sneezed, I wouldn't have been around in 1962 when Negroes in Alabama, Georgia, decided to straighten up their backs. And whenever men and women straighten up their backs, they're going somewhere because a person can't ride your back unless it's bent. If I had sneezed, I wouldn't have been here in 1963 when the black people of Birmingham, Alabama, aroused the conscience of the nation and brought into being the Civil Rights Bill. If I had sneezed, I wouldn't have had the chance later that year in August to tell America about a dream I had. If I had sneezed, I wouldn't have been down in Selma, Alabama to see the great movement there. If I had sneezed, I wouldn't be here tonight in Memphis to see a community rally around these brothers and sisters who are suffering. I'm so happy that I didn't sneeze. And that whole part of the letter was inspired by a ninth grade girl who took the time to write a letter of compassion to a national leader who had been attacked. Every word has power. Every deed counts. That's the power of compassion. Apathy, apathy is real enemy. Indifference, when people turn away and not join with others, Desmond Tudor writes, if we could but recognize our common humanity, that we do belong to each other, that our destinies are bound up in one another's, that we can be free only together, that we can be human only together, then a glorious world would come into being where all of us lived harmoniously together as members of one family, the human family. Isn't it true? Each of our lives are tied up in a community. None of us makes it on our own. All of us at some point are dependent upon the compassion of others, oftentimes strangers and neighbors. A friend of mine who is a high school principal grew up on a dairy farm. And during college, he and his brother would go and milk cows at different neighbors who would want to take a few days off for the holidays. They would kind of sit in and take care of those cows. They, they had time and energy, and their neighbors were tired wanted to get together with their own families. So these young men reached out to their neighbors to give them a little bit of relief and respite. One night, he says, after getting done milking, the grandpa of the farm went leaning against the milk tank and looked at the two boys and said, you know, boys, he said, uh, 
I'll never forget what your dad and grandpa did for us many years ago. He says about 20 years ago, probably just before you were born, he said uh, we had a barn fire and we lost our barn and all of our hay. It was a drought that summer, and uh, it was hard getting hay. And any hay that we bought was poor quality and cost a lot of money. And then in September, when we were really down in our luck, your dad and grandpa showed up with two wagons of the best third crop hay we'd ever seen. And they said, here, we want you to have this for your cows. And he said, well, how much is it going to cost? And he said, well, nothing. We're neighbors. You need it, and we'd like to give it to you. And that young man always remembered that story, the graciousness and compassion of his father and his grandfather taking care of a neighbor. And then he asked himself this question, am I giving other people my best third crop hay or am I keeping it for myself? Am I extending myself in compassion to my neighbors? Am I giving them the best of what I have? Do I really care about the people who I live with and are entrusted to my care? And do I demonstrate that in small acts of kindness and great acts of compassion each and every day? I've been teaching this class on homelessness for over 35 years. And it's helped my students understand a sense of compassion. I have them sleep outside in a cardboard box in the middle of February. They sit in a lawn chair. And we sit outside because if you don't have a place to live, you have no place to go. So many people are unsheltered. And every one of our major cities, and under all of our major overpasses, you will find 10 cities. Affordable housing is not an option in places like San Francisco, New York, Boston. In many of our large cities, people cannot afford to rent an apartment, let alone pay mortgage on a house. And we find more and more people are slipping into homelessness, not being able to afford a place to live. We're seeing more and more families, three generations of families living together. Young people graduate from college, not making an entry-level wage, and so come home and live with mom and dad in order to pay for their insurance, pay off their college loans before they're able to get back on their feet. Older people who weren't able to save enough because they'd given so much loan to their own family did not have Social Security benefits or retirement in order to pay for that. And so a number of mom and dads are living with their children in retirement. We understand this, that it's a compassion of one another that cares for each other. But we have so many people who don't have that kind of compassion. And I want to teach my students that because whatever community that they go in, whatever profession they're going to be in, they will be encountering people who have hard traveling. I want to help them to understand that nobody chooses to be homeless. You're not born into a world and then you grow up in the third grade and say, oh, I hope someday I don't have a place to live. And by sitting outside just for one night, the cold enters their bones. They do not sleep. The next day they have to go to a class because they do it on a Thursday night, so Friday, and there's oftentimes exams, and they talk how they struggle to stay awake. Whenever you go to a large city and you see people sleeping in the streets, why? Because the night before they hadn't slept because either they were too cold or afraid. And you begin to recognize that there in the, is the human experience of other people suffering. And therefore, it raises the question, what is it that I may do? How is it that I may reach out? How is it that I may pay attention to somebody who feels that they are so invisible? Compassion 
the ways in which we are connected with each other, the compassion of a Dr. King and a Desmond Tutu, but the compassion of a young man who hears my grandfather that hey, third crop hay saved their farm 20 years ago. Compassion. One of our students graduated from Viterbo and then went off and, and took uh, two years of, of service. What we're hearing now is that many young people after they graduate from college are taking one or two years in order to volunteer. Uh, they call it a gap year, a way in which to kind of get settled and reoriented after having been in school up until age 22, what's next? And before going on to another profession, they take a year in order to serve. And this young woman was at a place in Sacramento, uh, California, called Friendship Park. And in Friendship Park, up to 1,000 people a day would come for lunch. Uh, people who don't have a place to live or enough to eat would stop by. Here she was serving meals, uh, taking care of the needs of people, visiting with people who were new to the area or were awful lonely there by themselves. A man shows up wearing hospital garb with three cans of Insure and psychiatric medicine for three days. And he comes up in a halting voice said, I was sent here from a hospital in Las Vegas. And they said when I got here that I should find an emergency room and they could refill my medicine. And she looked at this man, a very vulnerable man, with three cans of Insure and a bus ticket. She got him to an emergency room and they were able to give him psychiatric medicine but psychiatric care and find him clothes and get him settled, find a treatment center that would take him on a short-term basis. But for that young woman, it wasn't enough. Compassion moved her to action. She called a friend of hers who was a journalist and that journalist began to uncover that this hospital had given out 1,500 bus tickets to people that they were supposed to be caring for, 1,500 bus tickets sending people all over the country with three cans of Insure and enough psychiatric medicine for three days. And she knew this was wrong. And they began to confront the system where people who were entrusted with the care of our most vulnerable citizens instead were causing them more hardship. A 22-year-old girl who, out of compassion, lifted up the phone and said, this is not right. We need to do something. I can't do everything, but each and every day I can do something for someone who is in need. Compassion is what links us together as human beings. Compassion what keeps the people entrusted to our care safe, compassion, the quality that makes our communities strong and connected. Compassion, the word of the day on a PDPW podcast. Our thanks to Tom Thibodeau for today's message. Tom, a distinguished professor of servant leadership at Viterbo University. And for archived podcasts and more on-demand programs, and for more on the professional development for today's dairy producer, head to PDPW's free website at pdpw.org. Until next time, have a safe and productive week.